Support for a quick timeout podcast is brought to you by our friends at Dr. Dish Basketball. College and professional teams from around the country rely on Dr. Dish shooting machines to help improve their players' development. Whether it's in the gym or at home in your driveway, Dr. Dish will improve your basketball workouts. To find out more about how Dr. Dish can help your program, visit drdishbasketball.com. I'm Coach Tony Miller, and you're listening to a Quick Timeout Podcast. We have conversations with basketball coaches from around the country focused on specific topics designed simply to help grow the game. I want to welcome to the show Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets coach Josh Passener. Coach, thanks so much for joining us today. Dr. Miller, thanks for having me. Really appreciate it. Looking forward to uh, talking some basketball with you and um, thanks for having me on. Before we get into what I really want to spend most of our time on today, I did want to ask, is there any aspect of the game that you've been studying? You know, I've obviously based because of COVID-19, you've had a lot of time to be at your computer in a sense. And, um, you know, prior to uh, COVID-19, I was really big on watching a lot of clinics or attending clinics or calling coaches and picking um, you know, guys, you know, different coaches, you know, brains about different, you know, philosophies or, you know, strategies and, um, and just to try to make sure that to be a lifelong learner in a sense. Well, you know, after COVID, uh, once COVID hit COVID-19, um, a lot of these clinics have become online in a sense, uh, podcast clinics, So I've been able to really watch so many coaches, even more so than I would have uh, prior to, you know, to to COVID-19 happening, um, that you've been able to almost get so much information that you got to be careful that you don't have paralysis through analysis, that you're getting so much good intel that, okay, how are you going to really put it all in into your system in a sense? So uh, uh, it's been good. I've learned a lot. Uh, It's keeping me um, uh, trying to keep, uh, you know, fresh and new ideas and continue to adjust and be flexible with our own system and, and to con- continue to try to do the best we can to give our young men, um, you know, the best opportunity to put them in positions of success. I know those that listen to the show have done a lot of listening to those virtual clinics. And one that I saw you do was speaking on defense, which is actually why I wanted to talk today about the other side of the ball to give you an opportunity maybe to talk about something different. I also saw you uh, speak a few years ago at a clinic about about defense. So I, I wanted to personally hear a little bit more about your offensive philosophy. So kind of just starting off with that, just real broad, if you could summarize your offensive philosophy in maybe just a couple minutes, what would it be? You know, uh, you know, a couple things. Let, let me just say this. Um, basketball is such a fascinating game. It's, it's an incredible sport. Um, it's, it's, it's just, you know, it's such a free flowing game, you know, whereas in football and I love football, I'm a big football fan, but, but, you know, when the play's done in football, everyone goes back to the huddle, um, you reset, you can, you know, you can, you call in another play, both offensive and defensive, same thing with baseball, the pitch is thrown, you kind of have a chance to reset. The great thing about basketball is it's there there's very little stoppage unless obviously there's a foul or the or a timeout or you know ball goes out of bounds but but the the, the free flowing of things it, it makes it really really um um uh, you know a, a fascinating game to really watch when you think about it and a lot of times 
I've always said this because of the free flowing of basketball and the and it's basketball, especially on offense, everything's about rhythm, energy, and flow. That it's not always about the plays or the offensive schemes that you run. It's really the hardest thing to guard is guarding players. Um, because again, you don't get a chance to reset every every possession to get, you know, to call in a new defense or reset your defense. It is a rhythm flow energy, rhythm energy flow type of game. And so um, you know, offensively, I think, you know, one is, is on the offensive side of the ball, one is having, uh, uh, you know, be, it's such offense is such a skilled part. Everything's about skill. So offensively, there could be things that you can teach, but there's also on offense, it's about instinct and, and, and players being able to make plays instinctively is so much of a part of offense. You know, whereas defense, you can really be more in control because it's so much of an energy, determination, discipline, toughness, just playing harder, where maybe that doesn't take as much skill. Being able to instinctively be able to put the ball in the basket, having that innate ability to score the ball is such a more skill set than it maybe sometimes requires on, on defense. And so, um, having, having your, you know, I'm a big believer in, in, in a uh, player movement and ball movement. I always look at the stat on, you know, we want to have 60% of our made field goals assisted. I always talk about the ball wants to be, you know, when it, it, you, you want it to be, you know, the thing is constantly moving, um, almost like a hot potato or a hot, you touch a hot stove. You want to keep the ball moving. And, um, and we always talk about my, my number one saying is people ask me, well, who's your go-to man on your team? I said, we don't have a go-to man. It's the open man. And the, our open man is our go-to man. And within our offense, one of the things that we probably haven't during my time as a head coach, I've probably been a more equal opportunity, offensive minded type of coach. Whereas if you run more set plays, you can get certain guys, certain shots and certain locations. I've been more motion oriented, um, uh, more player movement, which based on that, it's harder maybe to scout at times because it's more reading and reacting, but it's more can be more equal opportunity. And you're not always getting the the person you maybe want with the the ball in the in the set in the um, area on the floor every single time unless you've called a set play. So let me go back and ask about different parts of what you just talked about. The first one that I heard you talk a lot about that we've talked on this show and I've been interested in for our program as well is that decision making. Do you feel like when your players come into the program that they're better decision makers than maybe they were when you first started? Or is that something that you really emphasize once players get to your program? You know, Dr. Miller, uh, we, we, we talk about all the time is about um, five-star player development. We, we, we haven't been able to get that, that, that five-star recruit coming out of high school that's one and done here at Georgia Tech to be instantly impact right away and, and is going to be here for nine months and then leave. So we've, got to, we've had to rely on really, five, I, call it, I use it five-star player development and really getting guys better. Um, especially on the offensive side of the ball and everything I've done in the off season. So I, 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 I'll, I'll use this terminology and this sounds a little strange in basketball. So when we get into the spring and summer and into the fall, before we get to team practices, we, I always talk about that. We're going to, we're going to, we're going to be selfish. I want you guys to be as selfish as anything. And we're going to be selfish with you. 
And, and people usually say, well, how can you say that in basketball, the team sport? I've said, because in the spring, summer and fall, I want you to be, we're going to, I want you to be selfish with your individual player skill development. And we're going to be selfish with your individual skill player development by spending all of our time focusing on that. And, and, and we want you to be selfish that you want to absorb that information and focus and get better at, at your game on individuals, offensive skill development. So that's what we talk about. Now, obviously when you're playing in a team concept, you don't want to be selfish. You want to, it's about the team, but, but that's what we talk about in, in getting guys better and spending a lot of time ensuring that we um, spend time on their offensive skill development and, and to try to hopefully get guys better. Now, instinctively, how do guys become better? You can do as much one-on-o drills or one-on-one drills or cone drills. That being said, there's nothing like to be able to teach the game playing three-on-three, four-on-four, but even five-on-five free-flowing. And the more you can play five-on-five, the better. Do you do a lot of three-on-three, four-on-four, five-on-five in practice right from the start? Or is that something that you build towards? We do a lot of that. Um, You know, uh, we we do a lot of those. I try to do a lot of disadvantage drills. When I say disadvantage drills, I think it's really good for defense when you're down a guy and you have to make multiple efforts. So we do a lot of that on the defensive end. And that's, and it's also good for offense because it forces you to have to continue to move the ball and you're attacking closeouts and all that good stuff. But, but I think three on three, four on four is really good for both offensively and defensively. Um, it's probably better for defense. Three on three is really good. Just on, if you're learning, want to teach about cutting and moving and screening and how to screen and reading and reacting, especially if you're, if you want to play motion, I think three on three and four on four is the best thing to teach on how to play motion on being able to learn on how to read different situations. Um, so, but we do some of it, it, you know, it just, it varies, you know, on, on kind of what you're doing and, 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 you know, Dr. Miller, you know, this, you understand this, when you put a practice plan together, it's two hours. Let's just, you know, yeah, I understand sometimes it's longer, sometimes it's less, but just for simplicity, it's two hours in length. Well, there's only so much you can do. And if, I mean, it might take you 45 minutes just to conquer and master closeouts and, you know, and, 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 um, and, and guarding balls. I mean, that, you know, so there's only so much you can do within a practice. And as a coach, as a head coach, you've got to become or believe in what you want to emphasize, reinforce, and be good at these three, four, five things. Not be good, be try to be great at them to give your team the best chance to win. And you're going to do those every single day because that's going to be most important to you. And so, for example, if you're going to play motion offense, well, you can't just work on reading and reacting on, on cutting and screening twice a week. That won't work. You, can't, you won't be a good motion team, if that makes sense. And so those are parts of what's what's fascinating about coaching is you've got to pick and choose and determine what's important to you. The best basketball coaches are relying on data more than ever. That's why coaches love Huddle Assist. With Assist, you'll get full game breakdowns, including complete team and player stats, in less than 24 hours. Your stats are ready when you need them. And Assist is more than just a box score. Use interactive reports like shot charts and advanced stats, like lineup data, VPS, and of course, effective field goal percentage to coach smarter. Plus, Assist brings your stats to life. Every stat is marked on the video at the moment it happened. See every shot, turnover, rebound, and much more with just a few clicks. Want to see how Huddle Assist is elevating basketball? Visit huddle.com assist. 
That's huddle.com slash assist to find out more. Coach, really quickly, let me tell you about a brand new app called Wildcard. It's a social engagement platform specifically designed for youth sports teams. You, your players, their parents, people are going to love this thing. The app allows you to create virtual training programs, manage schedules, give player and game reports, and post player videos and highlights. I've checked out the platform, and I highly recommend you give Wildcard a look. Especially in this climate, with a lot of us having limited or even no contact with our players, Wildcard allows you to stay connected and build culture with your players through the use of technology. Right now, there's a special promotion for a quick timeout listeners. You can download and use the app for free, but you must do so within the first two weeks of the release of this episode. So check the link in the show notes to download and start using Wildcard with your team today. You're going to love it. You alluded to this, and I've heard you say it other places, that you want your team playing fast and with tempo. And a lot of coaches say that, but it actually happening and their teams actually executing that in games is something different. What do you do in practice to help ensure that your players do play that up-tempo style? Well, look, I mean, you, every who doesn't say they want to play fast no. or play with great pace? I mean, everybody wants to do that. That's just – that's that's kind of – that's the way it is. Um um, now, there's also, I believe, there's theory and reality. And the reality of it is if you, you could put two minutes on a clock, I, I recommend coaches do this. I've done this before. You put two minutes on a clock. You don't have to do two minutes. Do one minute. But you, you can do one or two minutes. You put, you, you, you put the time on the clock and say, okay, just play as fast as you can. No stopping. And we're just going to just play. Ball goes out of bounds. Hurry, throw right in. I mean, I'm t- and, and, and then after about 45, literally after about 45 seconds, guys will stop won't even be sprinting the floor they'll be they'll be exhausted and then you just stop you about after about a minute you just stop and say hey you can't tell me you want to play fast if you don't want to play fast you know what I mean so um you can't play with great pace and, and speed one if you're not in conditioning and and two I don't think you can play fast like if you're not gonna again you got to emphasize it every single day in your practice are you going to play with that speed and that tempo that needs to be absolutely drilled and emphasized and reinforced as part of your three or four things that you do, uh, Dr. Miller. So if, if, if I came to your practice or you came to my practice and I never met you and you never met me and we didn't know each other and you walked to my practice on a normal practice day, you should leave practice knowing, okay, these three things, man, that, that, that is, that is a stickler for, for Josh Pastner. Mm-hmm. And, and if, and, and if Dr. Tony Miller had a, had a practice, I would leave that practice saying these three or four things, man, that's, that is the most important thing to coach. Mm-hmm. And um, I think people should see that when they walk, when they go to your practice. It's funny that you said that because I did want to ask you that. So if I, if I come to your practice and I know it'll change and vary depending on what time of year it is and you know what you're emphasizing that day. But if, if I come and listen, what, what am I hearing that you're continually emphasizing on the offensive end? Um, yeah, no, that's, that's a great question. You know, um, I'm constantly talking about speed of cut. Um, uh, we, we, we really practice drill, emphasize, uh, the, the, the speed of the cutting, how hard are you cutting? I think that is, that is, that is an art. It's, you know, it's a skill people that are able to move without the basketball and cutting is so important in offense. So we spend a lot of time on that. Um, I would also say about, um, you know, ball movement, you would hear me a bunch with ball movement, um, constantly talking about continuing to move the ball. 
Um, and, um, and, you know, I try to do things obviously with offensive rebounding. I think that's a really good way. If you're, if you're not a good shooting team, um, and you miss a lot, it's a good way to try to helpfully get some more points is get on the offensive glass. I will say this, uh, being able to shoot the basketball just, you know, covers up so many sins in the game of basketball and it makes all coaches look better. If you can shoot it or you have guys or, or young ladies that can shoot it, it just makes every offense better. It makes it makes you look better. And the other thing is the hardest thing to coach, the hardest thing to coach in all of basketball is when you can't score. There's nothing harder. There's it's in, there's nothing harder. When you have when you have teams that are struggling to score and it and it sucks the life out of you, it takes the momentum out of you. It, it it's a real um, energy taker when you're getting open shots or you're getting good looks and they're just not falling. And you, you as a coach know they're really good shots and they're good looks, but you're still dealing with human beings and not robots. And, and, and it's demoralizing. And you have a, you have multiple empty trips. Um, I mean, it, it's, there, it can shift momentum quickly. And it's a, um, and like I said, it's an energy taker a lot of times. And, um, you know, and that's and that happens, and that's why the hardest thing to, the hardest thing to coach is when you can't score. How much shooting do you all practice on a daily base, basis? Um, I, I early in my career, I didn't shoot. We didn't shoot enough. I didn't do a good enough job of enough shooting in practice. Uh, now we do shoot a lot during practice, and um, I don't I don't have an exact amount of time, but we shoot a lot, and I think that's an important part. And you look at all the best shooting teams; they'll tell you they shoot a lot during practice. It's funny that you say that. I feel like a lot of coaches feel that way. They think the X's and O's will win them games, and then, like you said, at the end of the day, they drop great plays, and then their players can't make shots. I'm assuming that they're shooting as well in individual workouts. Are you doing like yes, yes, lots of shooting in individual workouts. Um, lots of you know, like I said, you know, and, and there's a lot to teach in individual time, and, and you only have limited time. But a lot of that is, a lot of that comes down to. Um, you know, the skill development part. So are you spending time on shooting? Are you spending time on, you know, pick and roll development? Um, you know, running the, I mean, you could pick so many versions of offensive development. And that's, again, those are find out from things that are, that are important. But the first and foremost is, is you got to be in great physical condition. I think that's an, a, that's an important part um, of, of anything. Um, that's one thing that I do want to ask about offensively and then also incorporating the team conditioning and practice wise um, coaches do it different ways. We're always trying to find better ways to do it. Um, I know some that even in your league will practice like three possessions, you know, run your offense, go down and defend and come back. Do you do a lot of running up and down the court? What, what does, what does that look like? Yeah. You know, I think there's different ways. I just think however you want to get conditioning and I've heard a lot of coaches say they don't do any conditioning outside of just playing five on five, which is a great way to condition or, or some coaches I know that condition a lot. Maybe they run on the track, they run a mile in the preseason or they do wind sprints. I, I don't think there's any right or wrong answer on that. I think there's many ways to skin a cat um, in that sense. And, and um, there's, you know, different ways to do it. So um, I think the, the bottom line is, is, is the players in the best conditions conditioning Usually, our players who are the, your best players, and it's hard to be really good at basketball if you're not in great shape. And I don't know what sport you can be really good at. Um, I guess maybe sometimes I've seen some sports where you know, um, you know, maybe maybe you can be a, not in great shape and still be really good. But I don't know how that's. I, I don't know what sport that really is. So 
being in really good shape, really good conditioning, you're just, you're going to be able to have your cardiovascular um, be better. And that's what's so, I think that is what's so interesting with, when I say interesting, um, still being found out right now with the COVID-19. And, you know, from talking to our medical team, obviously, and we're not doing anything without clearing it through them, um, you know, about when we're able to get back into the gym, about being extremely slow and measured and like almost like a crawl, walk, run approach. And even though these guys are 22 years old and, you know, have and, 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 and are really good shape, they really want to take it slow because if somebody gets COVID, I don't think they fully know what are the ramifications or the, the um, long-term effects uh, cardiovascular wise. And so, whereas, whereas previously we would probably just get in and start going like right now, we'd be in a, in a kind of a, a good conditioning mode, you know, a lot of running and post COVID you're not doing that. Everything's got to be just, you know, you're really in a slow measured approach following the medical uh, teams and doctor's advice. So I think that's, a, that's going to be a shift Again, on being flexible on on being able to with with workouts on on managing that and, and the conditioning part. This is kind of like a summary of probably everything we've talked about. It's hard for me to believe because I still remember when you first got the job at Memphis, and it's again hard for me to believe we were just talking beforehand that you're already entering year five at Georgia Tech. So, I mean, that's twelve years of head coaching experience. How has your offense? evolved in those 12 years yeah you know coach i uh yeah going in my 12th year as a head coach you know i, I i've been fortunate i've been at a high level i've been at arizona mm-hmm. you know as a player and as a coach at the university of arizona i was an assistant at memphis a head coach at memphis and then here the head coach at georgia tech in the acc so i've been around high level basketball i've been very fortunate been very blessed we got lucky got some incredible breaks what i would tell you is um you know, I'm a better coach today than I was when I first took over. I hope God willingly 12 years from now, I'm still, I'm a better coach then than I was today. Um, And I would tell you that I've evolved offensively, that I have a clearer picture in my mind of how I want to play. And I, I wasn't that clear early on. And, and, you know, we won a lot of games at Memphis, but we could have won more if I was, if I was a better coach. Mm. And that's nothing because we had great players. We had great staff. Mm-hmm. That's just a self-reflection on my part that I, I, if I knew what I knew now, if I could go back to Memphis, man, we would have be so good. I, now, maybe everybody could say that in their entire life, and that's part of learning and improving, um, but that's just part of it. So more than, than exact X's and O's, the philosophy part, I just have a clearer picture. I have a clearer vision. Mm-hmm. Um uh, I have a better understanding on offense than I did at the time at, at Memphis. Now, let me just say this. At Memphis, um, because we had some great teams and great players, uh, our guys did such a good job at sharing the ball. Every year, our teams would have 60% of our field goals assisted, even sometimes higher. We would always be one of the best in the country at at pace of play, but most importantly, at at assist on made field goals. And I was so proud of that stat. Mm-hmm. That's really important to me because that means the ball's being moved. It's not being, you know, you're not giving the ball a headache, you know, just pounding it. Mm-hmm. That thing is moving like a hot potato and and like a hot stove. You know, you touch it and keep the ball moving. And so I was always really proud of that at, at uh, Memphis with our teams. And, and we've continued that at Georgia Tech. 
asking somebody who you, you said at the beginning, that continual learner, I feel like this question will be better answered by somebody who is constantly pushing themselves and without trying to feel like you're predicting the future. Where do you think offense, maybe just speak to the college level if that's what you feel most comfortable, but like, where do you think offense is going? What are we going to see more of, or what are you going to try to do more of in the next five or 10 years with your teams? Well, look, I mean, I think things continue to evolve. Uh, People are playing, I mean, you know, think about the amount of small ball being played now. Um, Think about the center position, how that has gone away. Um, You know, I just think it's going to keep evolving with three-point shooting, obviously, is going to continue to be a key part. Um, I think, you know, with analytics and and everything can be looked at numbers-wise, um, you know, things will eventually, you know, flow from there. I, you know, obviously with the college game, with the 30-second shot clock, and I think in time there, you know, things are going to be more looking like the NBA in a sense with, with shot clock. People want pace of play. People want more offense. I, every rule change, whether it's pro or college, is always in benefit of the offense. Uh, people like watching offense. People want more scoring. People want more possessions. And so that's just, I think, going to be how it is as you continue to move forward uh, in the game of basketball. I usually reserve this final question for older coaches. You don't fall into that category. However, you started young, so you are a veteran coach. So I'll go ahead and ask it. If you could go back and tell first-year coach Josh Passner one or two pieces of advice, what would you tell him? Um, you know what? Good question. Um um, and if you don't, and, and, and you're really making it hard because you're only limiting to one or two, I wish you could give me a, I would need. No, you can go on as long as yeah, you want. I would but... need about three days, like 72 hours to be able to talk to myself when I first started being a head coach. But no, I would just say, you know, one thing is, um, um, I, I would say the biggest thing, like I mentioned earlier is, Hey, make sure you have a clear vision on how you want to play. Yes. You've got to fit it within your personnel, but, but be really clear uh, on that vision. And maybe the second thing would be is remember when you worried about that, this or that, uh, Josh, remember you worried about that over there. Don't even worry about it. Cause it's not that big of a deal. So mm. <laughs> you wasted, you wasted time and energy worrying about things you need to worry about. But, um, but probably that was that, I mean, there'd be a lot of things I could probably go into. And, um, um, but you know, like I said earlier, I mean, I, I, I feel I'm a better coach today at going into my 12th year as a head coach compared to my first year. And I hope to be the same God willingly 12 years from now. And, um, and still a player's game. It's still about having great staff and um, you know, there's nothing like being a head coach. I, I, I don't take it for granted. I love every second of it. I've had so many great players. I mean, you win games because of players. It's all about players. I mean, and I've had some, and, and, and to see the gratification when guys graduate and, and continue to do well in life and, um, and to have great staff and so many good people. It's been a real blessing along the way. And, and I don't take a second of it for granted. So, um, uh, I've been very fortunate. I know I've gotten a lot of breaks and been a little, and have got lucky. People are, was, were way more deserving to be the head coach at Memphis than myself. I was just kind of last man standing. People are way more uh, deserving to be the head coach at Georgia tech. I just got fortunate to get the job. So, um, um, you know, so I, I, I keep those things in perspective. Yeah, that's Coach Josh Passner, head coach for the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets. Coach, thanks again for making some time to come on the show. Thank you, Dr. Miller. Really appreciate it.
that'll do it for this episode. Thanks so much for listening. We'll talk to you again at the next time out.